Hello and welcome to Art Talk on KBF 88.3 FM, the voice of the people. I'm your host, Rachel Trusty. Over the past few weeks, I've seen more and more local artists creating artwork about social and political issues. This election cycle was difficult for everyone, no matter which side of the aisle you were on. I have always loved how art can be an active member of the community. Art can raise awareness to issues, can celebrate achievements, it can show the truth. Art can create something from nothing, and it can reimagine the old into the new. Last week, I interviewed artist Laura Rayburn about her show that's currently on view at the Argenta branch of the William F. Lamon Library. The opening reception last Friday night was lovely. As I walked around the gallery, I noticed a box labeled Contraband that Laura had brought with her. Inside, there were several small mixed-media works on paper that showed images and text from the recent news. They were in a similar style to her other mixed-media works, but very different in content. I spoke to Laura about these art pieces and about what she thought of art as activism. I put that sign in there, the contraband sign, for fun because I just love studying words and word origins. And in the word origin of contraband, reading about, you know, against the, the decree, something that's established. And I was like, well, that's perfect, Anti, anti-establishment word. And then Bannon was in there, and that made me think of Steve Bannon. And I was just like, oh, contraband is the perfect word to to put with this work, but but really, um, that's kind of vague. And and when I think about the body of work, I haven't really defined it. And the reason I haven't defined it is because it has been such a personal response in my studio to quotes that I read by Mike Pence and Donald Trump. So yes, it. You could call it anti-Trump work, but it's more like I really want to show the words they're using in a way that reflects how I feel about what they're saying. And it's kind of like a a coping mechanism. Uh, But also, when you see the pieces, they look kind of controversial or kind of racy. And, you know, I've had people say, ooh, this is kind of risque or this is – I'm like, what's risque about it? All it is are – images with Trump quotes. It's just showing us what the new normal is and that the new normal shouldn't be accepted, you know, that we should be offended. And what I'm really tired of are people saying, oh, it's not that offensive or it's locker room talk or, oh, don't worry about it. He'll be a good leader. Give him a chance. I'm like, no, these, these things are hurtful to a lot of people. Uh, so that's just that's what the work is about. Me just coping with the the comments that I hear. And here's another important point: I'm not responding to say the media's perception of Trump. I'm responding to him. I'm responding to his tweets. So this isn't this isn't like me reading a bunch of liberal news. I'm just responding as one individual to hurtful things that that he says or things that I think are offensive or hurtful. So that, I don't know if that even answers your question, but that's kind of what it's all about to me. That makes sense to me. Will you describe how the work looks physically? Um, 
there, there's a variety. Some of them are pretty simple, uh, but I do use a lot of text and language, and I'll image transfer that or collage that onto a piece of paper. They're small pieces, like 9 by 12 or something like that. And then I'll do some paintings on top of those image transfers so that some of the words get covered and some get revealed. And then I might add another layer of collage or image transfer where then the, the, the meaning of the word resurfaces and is legible again. And so I'm just playing. I've done this with all my artwork for years, but I'm just playing with layers and obscuring and revealing certain um, portions of the piece to help kind of direct the eye and to help us focus on um, the meaning of words and that that, that that does impact people's lives and that you're not just being sensitive if you think something is offensive. What role do you think art is going to play, I would say, in the next four years? But I would say, what role does art play, do you think, in our democracy? I like that question a lot. And it, I, I saw that you posted that question on Facebook, and that made me kind of think about it a little bit ahead of time. I think it's the same as it has been throughout history, that artists, are, I feel like, are pretty pretty good dominers of the pulse of communities. Typically, artists really don't have anything at stake. It's not like they're going to you know, lose a high-paying government job if they express a certain opinion through their art. So artists tend to just kind of put it out there and... Um, give an honest depiction of how they're feeling, how their communities are feeling. And I think that artists tend to listen to a lot of different types of people and read a lot and think a lot and then and then create imagery that reflects all of that. So the, to me, the best thing about visual imagery and art is that it can communicate to a really wide variety of people. And it's not propaganda. It's not communication that is um, biased. You know, sometimes if the head of a company or a politician puts something out there that they want people to believe, there's an ulterior motive. Um, Maybe there's financial benefit for them if they convince people of a message. Well, if I convince people of a message with my political work, there's no financial gain for me. There's there's nothing, there's no, so that makes me a pretty transparent person to be communicating what's going on in our communities. So to answer your question, I think that that is one huge benefit of art uh, in a democracy or, or anywhere in the world is the artists don't, we don't make, typically, we don't make a ton of money to, in the first place. Like we don't have a lot of, a lot to lose and we don't have financial gain by trying to put a spin on something. And so I feel like art throughout history has been a very strong voice of the people instead of a strong voice of higher-ups in government or politicians. And that's, that's really powerful and important. And then the other great thing about, about visual art is it can communicate quickly. So a lot of these things that are going on right now in our, in our country – are complex and there are a lot of voices and there are a lot of people with various conflicting opinions and each of those people has a valid point so how do you distill things down to a visual image 
that can um, communicate to a wide variety of people where we're not having to read through reams of information where we can just understand something in one one glimpse, you know, just one image. And I, I think that's exciting. Over the past few weeks, several cities around the world, including Little Rock, have been planning for the Women's March. The Amplifier Foundation has provided posters for the march. For the first time in their nonprofit history, they put out a call to entry for the art designs. They received over 5,000 entries and chose only five for the Women's March. Last week, I spoke to Cleo Barnett, the program director at the Amplifier Foundation, about their organization and the newest Women's March poster series. Hey everybody, my name is Cleo Barnett and I am the program director of the Amplifier Foundation. We are an art machine for social change. Okay, so the Amplifier Foundation has been in existence for technically two years, but it's been brewing for longer than that with past projects. Um, It's the brainchild of Aaron Huey, who's a National Geographic photographer and just really an amazing, creative, artistic person with huge visions. Um, He's been working on this for the last four or five years. Um, and But Amplifier Foundation was born about two years ago. And it started uh, with a grant, a media experiment grant. Um, and the whole idea was how can we use art and journalism and public space to amplify voices? Um, journalism has faced a lot of challenges over the coming years. Um, And so Aaron Huey, as a journalist through National Geographic and a a number of other publications, he saw the power of street art and public art, and he thought it would be really interesting to find ways of telling journalistic stories in public spaces through art to amplify the voices of social movements. The first cause was uh, treaty rights. Okay. Um, and we've also been focusing, well, it's, so I've only, I've been with Amplifier Foundation for a year. Um, so I, I kind of know the backstory of how it was created. Mm-hmm. And since I've been on board over the last year and over the last year is when it's really gone public before that it was more of an experiment. And over the last year we've launched a website and put all these publics, public projects online and, A lot of what we've been focusing on has been indigenous resistance, prison reform, and the environment. So what drew you into working with the Women's March then? Well, after the election, when we found out the results of the 2017 election, It was actually quite amazing timing because it was the first time that Amplifier Foundation had received a grant since going public and being launched online. Um, And our business model um, isn't like a traditional business model. We have no sources of income. All the artwork that we create, we pay the artists, we pay for all of the printing and distribution, and then we give that artwork for free to social movements. So, like, as you can tell from that, it's not necessarily a sustainable business model. Um, but we had, we had received this grant to continue to exist. And it was, it, the, the check actually went into the Amplifier bank account about one day before 
the 2017 presidential election results came out. Um, And that morning, Aaron called me, and it was clear that we needed to use all of this money to stand up against the hate speech that had... We don't want the hate speech to be normalized, um, and we need to stand up for the most vulnerable communities and stand stand by their side and protect um, and stop as much as we can the normalization of any hate speech and, you know, protect our environment and all the policies that potentially have the the very real reality of coming in over the next four years. Um, you know, we had, we had this grant and we knew that we needed to direct it towards the most very real threat on our nation and in reality our world right now. How did you start after that? Did you choose issues or did the Women's March come upon? Like, it, I know it was like a separate um, kind of movement. So did you just decide to pair with them after that? Well, I mean, it was such, I mean, it's, it feels like it was a really long time ago, but it was really only, um, you know, a, a month and a half or two months ago, but it was such a crazy time. And there was, you know, so much swarming on social media and just so much going on. And so we knew that we wanted to be at the inauguration mm-hmm. and that we knew we wanted to have a presence at the inauguration. Um, and then as, you know, the weeks went by, the Women's March just kept coming up. And then we just realized how powerful and important this movement was and how much we really wanted to get behind it and support it. And for the last six months or so, we've really wanted to put out an open call to the public. All the artists that we commission, we go to directly. And so it's not a very open process for artists around the nation. So we've always been thinking about how we really would love to put an open call out to just make this whole process more inclusive and to provide more opportunities for artists in rural towns and artists, you know, outside of the main hubs that you kind of hear more about to participate in these campaigns we were doing. So when the Women's March came up and really just was so highly organized and gaining so much momentum, we realized that that would be such an amazing opportunity to put out a public open call. So we called, we called the Women's March team and they were really enthusiastic and excited to have us on board. Um, uh, some of the, our members were already friends with the people in the Women's March and yeah, so we put out the open call. We had only eight days to keep it open due to like working backwards on print deadlines and having to get to DC and distribute this artwork. Um, and so, yeah, within eight days, we had 5,000 artworks, more than 5,000 artworks submitted to our open call, which was amazing. Um, and from that, we had to narrow it down to three artworks, which was pretty much impossible. So we ended up narrowing it down to five artworks. And those have all been printed, and they're getting loaded in vans probably as we speak. And we're going to be driving up to D.C. and within the next five hours. Well, all of the artwork is available on our website as free high-resolution downloads. So anyone anywhere in the world is able to go on our website and download this artwork and virtually do whatever they want with it, as long as it's not for any commercial gains. Um, that they can turn it into t-shirts or banners or posters or mugs or stickers or whatever. Um, and so that's one way of trying to open up um, participation across the nation. 
but all of the artwork that we have printed out is being taken to Washington, D.C. to support the, the Women's March. Well, that's excellent. Um, do you have, <clears throat> do you know what you're doing next? Do you know what's next on the docket then? Well, one thing that I know is next is we had so many amazing submissions for the Women's March, and it was such a shame to only be able to pick five and make five public. And so we've had a few galleries across the nation reach out to us and wanting to showcase a larger portion of the artworks chosen or submitted for the Women's March. So on February 2nd, we're going to have an exhibition opening called Hear Our Voice in Seattle, Washington at the Center on Contemporary Art, which is COCA for short. And they've gotten on board to be the first venue to showcase. We're going to have, I believe, 35 to 50 more um, of the artworks that were submitted to the Women's March on exhibition there. And we're hoping that this will be an exhibition that can tour around the nation to just continue the important conversations around the Women's March, potentially open up more platforms for more female-identifying or non-binary artists to submit to this exhibition. That's the one thing that I know we're doing. Um, But to be honest, our whole team has been working like 15 to 17 hour days um, to make everything happen this weekend. So I think that we're all quite focused on this weekend. And then from there, uh, I'm sure once we have a little bit of rest, we'll come up with a million more things we want to work on. Well, thanks for talking to me today, Cleo. Yeah, thanks so much for opening up the platforms for this conversation to happen, not just in, you know, the coastal cities, but um, in Arkansas. It's really important. Online stores have also been selling new clothing and accessories to support women's causes and the march. Local maker Stacy Bowers, who is the creator of the company Bang Up Betty, has been one participant. Several of her pins and accessories were picked up by the feminist company, The Outrage, and promoted nationally. A percentage of each sale from The Outrage is donated to different charities like the Malala Fund. Here is Stacy Bowers talking about her company, Bang Up Betty, and her recent collaboration with TheOutrage.com for the Women's March. Um, my name is Stacy Bowers. I'm the owner, designer, creator, everything behind Bang Up Betty which is a jewelry and apparel company located in Little Rock. Um, It started out as more of a humor sort of company, and uh, it quickly became feminist as uh, as anger began to swell around me (laughs) and inside of me (laughs) at everything going on in the world. Probably my bestseller, I've got, uh, well, enamel pens, totes, uh, necklaces that say smash the patriarchy, and they've got a little hammer on them, that um, nasty woman necklaces, uh, the liberal agenda pen, not sure if I can say it on the radio, but, (laughs) Um, and just a lot of, there's a middle finger necklace that says no, there's just a lot of uh, real uh, punchy, provocative things. Uh, Stuff your grandma probably doesn't want you to wear. Where do you get the idea for these sayings? Um, Well, a lot of it comes from pop culture, from what's going on around us, from, I mean, I was 
watching the debate where Donald Trump called Hillary a nasty woman, and I made that necklace, I think, within 20 minutes and put it online, and BuzzFeed picked it up. And it's just, So a lot of things that I come up with uh, are inspired by what's going on politically. Tell us about, um, we were talking earlier about how your business has been changing or has been busy since this election cycle. It picked up at the election and has not stopped since. Um, and I've started working with the Outrage.com, which is a feminist, progressive online store. They donate 15% of their sales, well, at least 15% of their sales to uh, to different um, liberal organizations. And uh by partnering with them, I've gotten a national platform. Uh, they've been featured on NPR and, and uh, Huffington Post and a lot of different websites. And so they've been getting a lot of designs from me. They come to me and they say, uh, I want a nasty Women Unite, something that says that. Or uh, they said, we want something, a pin for the Women's March on Washington. And then I just go from there and come up with the designs. Over the past several months, because of what's been going on and, and politically, um, I've been really gearing Bang Up Betty towards, uh, towards being a venue for me to give back to the community. Um, like, I, I made a bracelet that said strong as hell to benefit the um, Arkansas Women's Outreach, and um, we raised close to uh, $1,300 from that. Um, Recently, I made or I donated a part of my sales to uh, a an AIDS advocacy or vaccine advocacy organization in honor of George Michael. May he rest in peace. Um, and I, with the, a lot of things that I'm coming up with in the next few weeks, are going to be things that'll give back to different progressive organizations. Yeah, like you said, I was impressed when I ordered my pen from you on the outrage that. They not only give a percent, but each different item almost has its own different charity. Mm -hmm. So I ordered a T-shirt, and then I ordered one of your pins. from. So it's two different sellers, and they each went to different charities. Yeah, that's been really fun. They let me pick for, because they buy a few of my necklaces and pins that are my design, and they asked me, what do you want to give to? And I ended up, for that, I picked the Malala Fund, because it was something that I hadn't given to before. And thought it was a great organization to raise awareness about. Um, but when we partner on other pins, like um, the Nasty Women Unite, funds go to the ACLU, um, and then from the Women's March pin that went to the Women's March, and to getting people who couldn't afford to go to the Women's March to the Women's March. What are you expecting in the next few days? The next few days? Oh, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. I mean, it's been so inspiring. All these people are are messaging me and sharing my stuff and saying, I can't wait to wear this at the march. And so I know, I mean, people are, are, are angry, but they're also fired up. And I feel like we're going to make, we're going to make a change. What is your Instagram? Cause I love you post a lot of images of other people wearing or how you've inspired them so people can look it up. Yeah. Um, it's just bang up Betty, all one word, www.bangupbetty.com. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. If you just look for bang up Betty, there I am. After this kind of dies down after the women's March, what's, what's your plan? Well, I'm already working on a vast line of enamel pins, uh, of very funny and politically charged pins are going to be dropping in the next probably two to six weeks. So I'm really looking forward to that. Tell us about the community of pin people. There seems to be a community <laughs> of pin people that I didn't realize existed. 
Yeah. Um, it's really popular right now. The enamel pins are, and I just dipped my toes in, I guess about a year ago. Sally Nixon helped me with a pen idea I had. Um, it's a little heart that looks like a coffin. And um, from there, I just, they're just so much fun to make and sell and just people have so much fun collecting them. Like, I've, I mean, I've got my own collection. I've probably got close to 40 of them from different makers now. And, and another thing people like to do is uh, collect them all on a board and put them up on the wall. So it's like wearable art. Excellent. Well, thank you for talking to me today. Thanks for having me. Professional artists aren't the only ones preparing for the march. A wave of creativity has hit the nation as people knit pink hats to wear and create posters and banners to carry. I attended a poster-making party on Friday night. I arrived late after work to the house of artist Sofia Gonzalez. If you remember, I spoke to Sofia about her fiber art on the very first episode of, the, of Art Talk. When I arrived in her living room, it was already full of women making posters and flags. Many of them, myself included, were teachers. Here is Sophia talking about why she organized the party. I was feeling like we needed to do something. A lot of my friends are going to D.C. and I felt like I needed to reach out to people here to see if anyone was interested. And there was obviously a need, which is nice that everyone got to come out tonight. Um, and I was seeing a lot of uh, friends from San Francisco too who were doing things at art nonprofits, and I just hadn't seen anything. And I felt the need to do something, and I think it's more enjoyable with the group. So what all, what all have you been making? And now we're working on a flag um, using fabric saying women's rights, women's rights are human rights. Uh, but we've got watercolors, we've got markers, we've got all kinds of things going on. While I was at the art party, I also spoke to artist and art professor Melissa Gill about her thoughts on the march and the importance of art as activism. Well, I always think of art as being a subversive activity by itself. Like, I think of artists as being kind of like the... Um, Kind of like the trickster figure, you know, like the coyote, you know, the one who puts stuff in the face of people in society and says, you have to look at this, this needs to change, you know? So that's really inspiring to me, and that's why I feel like art is just a natural, it's a natural way to be an activist, to be active, like to be, a, you know, a citizen in society, saying how you feel. Because I just heard that the NEA might be uh, under fire from the new administration, so it might go underground and get even more crazy and subversive than it, than it already is. I don't know. Oh, yeah, art has a lot of power, a lot more power than people think, for sure, for sure. I mean, I could see all the street artists, you know, sort of, like, starting their own movement, you know, like, everyone following Banksy's lead and just basically doing pieces against Trump. <laughs> you know, like, I would be a part of that movement. I don't know. I believe in the power of art. I'm not just saying that because I'm an artist. Saturday morning I set out early to the march. The first person I encountered was a very enthusiastic musician playing a set of bongo drums. He went by the name of Bongo Willie. Here he is talking about why he thought it was important to be at the march. Uh, my name is William Gabriel. <clears throat> I'm here to support uh, the ladies' march in Arkansas, to support my wife, my... Uh, daughter, my two stepdaughters, my seventh granddaughters, 
Oh. <laughs> Whew, my, I need to catch my breath. Um, to support the rights and the knowledge that they deserve growing up in, in the United States. So tell us about your music here, how it's helping out. Well, what I usually do is um, I go to uh, a lot of the festivals, the kids' zones, and I supply drums where the kids could play for free and they could show their creativeness. And then uh, and to events like this, uh, just to get the beat going and the pulse moving, so everybody could just have a good time and release themselves. Excellent. Well, we're glad you're here. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. It wasn't hard to miss three or four giant white costumed performers in the crowd. They introduced me to the artist who created their costumes, Alice Guffey Miller from Monticello. It turns out the performers were Globalinks, alien characters from a play performed at the University of Monticello. Here is Alice speaking about her creations and her participation in the march. Well, these were the Globalinks from um, an opera that we did for the University of Arkansas at Monticello. And they have been in the closet for about two decades. What is a Globalink? A Globalink is an alien, and we love the aliens here. So tell us about how creativity is going to help democracy here. What's it makes me happy, and I am a happy person. And I woke up the day after the election and thought, you know what? We better have a dance party and I hired a band that day and I have been just being happy the best I can you know we have some problems here but I find it that thinking positive works better for have, me it works really well do you have any encouraging words for people just to make art not trouble to have fun and to keep moving carry on and these um, Crazy times require radical creativity, and that's what we're doing. Excellent. Thank you so much for talking You're to welcome. me. You're welcome. The march was a huge hit, with early estimates of four to 5,000 people in attendance in Little Rock. It's estimated that over one million people marched in cities across the United States. I hope this is only the beginning. No matter what side of the aisle you're on politically, I hope you know that art, writing, music, and all creative endeavors can make a difference. Thank you for listening to Art Talk today on KABF 88.3 FM. If you're interested in learning more about the artists and organizations in this episode, visit the Art Talk blog at arttalkkabf.blogspot.com. You will find information about Laura Rayburn's contraband art, Stacy Bowers and her company Bang Up Betty, the Amplifier Foundation, the musician Bongo Willie, and artist Alice Guffey Miller. This episode was sponsored by the William F. Lehman Library in North Little Rock, Arkansas. Come by the Argenta branch of the Lehman to see the solo exhibition by Laura Rayburn, the first artist I spoke with on this episode. On show are her oil and mixed media paintings from the collection Island Dreams and Memories. It will be on exhibition until February 9th.